0: Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon.
1: Ah, thank God. Hallelujah. So that's just a little snippet. Amen. We did a lot of work. We had a lot of fun and we made a lot of friends. Praise God. And so God is good. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. And uh, as your pastor mentioned, I was feeling a little bit, you know, uh, found it difficult maybe not preaching on Thanksgiving. But let me give you my uh, Thanksgiving sermon in one sentence. It's good to show gratitude. Good to show it to God, good to show it to people you love, amen, and gratitude is the best, amen, medicine against, amen, the assaults of hell, glory to God. So there is an unseen world that you and I must be aware of and we must engage in. This is the thought that I want to convey to you this evening Because I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've stood in front of the mirror looking at myself and I said, why the heck are you the way you are? Why am I like this? Times when I look at people I'm dealing with and I'm like, what is really going on? It's like Pastor Mitchell says, the issue is never the issue. Well, sometimes we don't know what the issue of the issue is. It's unseen. It's uh, difficult to discern. We look at situations in life and we're like, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? There is a book called This Present Darkness by Frank Peretti. And, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of extra stuff in there and, and whatnot. But the basic premise is as you're reading about a pastor and his wife and their church and their city, um, amen, he begins to personify, uh, amen, the spiritual dimension that's going behind, uh, amen, from the city council onto the college, onto the personal attacks that are released against the pastor. And, you know, he goes as far to give names to demons and angels and whatnot. And like I said, that, that, that's kind of you got to eat the meat and spit out the bones, But if you do, amen, consume something like that, it does make you take pause, makes you stop for a minute and say, you know what, there is an invisible world, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to engage it. Can you say amen? So let's read our text. It's Ephesians chapter uh, 10, amen, Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to go to verse 10. We're going to read through verse 13 and then skip to verse 18. Say amen if you're with me. Hallelujah. Finally, my dear brethren at the door, Christian Fellowship in Weslico, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against all of the wiles or the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, having done all, continue standing, verse 18, praying always with all prayer, and supplication in the spirit, being watchful. Everybody say, being watchful. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I want you to consider a message I've entitled, This Present Darkness. What we have, amen, in our text uh, is uh, the Apostle Paul bringing to light some realities He's pulling back the veil. He's identifying some things that are uh, naturally not seen. They're not discerned with our senses. And all that we see happening in the world today, we have to remember that the saints of God are engaged in a battle. Sometimes we fight heaviness, weariness, temptations. We struggle with the events of life. Um, Amen. But I'm here to declare to you that you have been saved for victory. Jesus didn't save you so that you can be his defeated child. You have been redeemed and recreated in Christ Jesus to accomplish the good works that he has prepared for you. And if you're going to accomplish his purpose and plan for you, you're going to have to have some level of dominion. You're going to have to have some level of clarity, amen, and ability and willingness to enter into this battle because you are an overcomer. That's who you are in Christ. Thanks be to God who always leads us into the triumph. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. So the first thing I want you to think with me about is the spiritual reality. What this tells us is that there is an unseen world. When I was in fifth grade in science class, we watched one of the most fascinating videos. I I wish I could find it, but what it did was it showed um, outer space and, you know, For most of my life, I just look and I see the stars, and you know, you think something else is beyond there, but when you look, you only see a certain amount, especially in a busy city. How many of y'all have ever been out in the country or out in pitch black and could see the sky? You're like, Whoa, I thought there was only like a hundred stars, but now you're seeing millions. And in this video, it started taking us. Into the Milky Way and into other solar systems and showing us the depth. uh, And and so without the telescope, you would never be able to see another world. Then they showed this picture on this uh, science video and it looked like the Grand Canyon. It was fascinating. It had, to, you know, like these deep rocks and it looked like just so deep and all these different crevices and stuff and what happened was that picture of I thought it was the Grand Canyon started to move upwards and it started you started to see what you were actually looking at and what it was was your skin under the microscope. So it was like this microscope was taking you into this invisible world of things that are extremely small. Are y'all picking up what I'm laying down? There's so much more than meets the eye. So you got a telescope, you've got a microscope, and Pastor Paul is giving us a Bible scope. He's saying there's something else that you cannot see without looking through a new lens. It's an unseen world. Part of this unseen world is God himself. You know what makes our God a little challenging to interact with sometimes? He's invisible. This is why people are prone to idolatry and why where I came from in India, people love a guru because they want something they can touch and feel and see. But First Timothy seven says, The King eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. John 4, 24, the Bible says God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. You know what else is invisible? Your soul is invisible. Now, you are a spirit. You can't see your spirit. You have a soul. You cannot see your soul. And you live in a body and that's where we get our five senses for. So the majority of our personality is meant to function in an unseen realm. Now, your soul is your mind. You have thoughts, but you can't see them. You have emotions, but you don't see them. Matter of fact, sometimes it's even a little bit difficult to discern where are these thoughts coming from. It's difficult to discern why am I feeling this way? It's like we have a physical body, we have books, we have information, but we're trying to traffic uh, in something that is unseen and difficult to figure out from time to time. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Everybody say completely. How many of y'all want to be sanctified halfway? How many of y'all want to be sanctified 90%? No, no, no. Pastor Paul says, I am praying that God himself would do a work in you that completes you and ministers to every level of your personality, and he's saying that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In this unseen dimension are also spiritual beings. I'm not here to give any type of dissertation, uh, amen, on the theology of angels or demonology, but I'm just here, uh, amen, to remind you that they are real. And not only are they real, but they are actively engaged in activities in your city, in your home, in your, uh, amen, church, in your life, uh, amen, on a daily basis, Isaiah Chapter 6, amen, Isaiah was able to see through the Bible scope, uh, amen, he saw the seraphim, he saw angels, amen, going around the throne of God, Uh, he got to see their personality, he saw how they conducted themselves, he saw what they were focused on, there were a lot of problems going down, uh, uh, amen, in, in, in planet earth. Uzziah had died. There's all kinds of chaos, Uh, amen. Uh, False doctrine was creeping into the, the temple worship and everything was going crazy. But he was able to see those seraphim and they weren't worried about much. They were just crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I'm sure that gave him a little perspective. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, there are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Psalms, amen, 91, 11, God himself will give his angels a charge over you. So again, this is just a reminder uh, that there is more working for you than you understand. That part of God's protection plan, provision plan, and world evangelism plan, part of that is beyond our eyes, beyond our five senses. Now again, You and I both know people can get a little weird when they go too far into it. But we're here just to be reminded, God, you really are working for us. And you're working for us in ways that we don't even know. There are demons. Revelations 12 says that as time grows short, Satan himself on planet Earth increases his activity and he shifts his strategies. Uh, and so Revelation 12 gives us an image and a picture uh, amen, of living, demonic, evil personalities uh, that are working towards a goal that are diametrically opposed to the will of God and to the establishment of his kingdom on Earth. And the more that we do, the more that we get engaged, the more, amen, that we move towards, uh, amen, the end times revival and the second coming of Christ, uh, amen, he says uh, that the uh, devil is more angry. I didn't know that the devil could get more angry. But he gets more, there's more pressure on Satan because his trip to the lake of fire is getting closer and closer every moment. And here in our text, it is Pastor Paul speaking to the Door Christian Fellowship Church of Ephesus. And he's saying, listen, y'all, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. There is a spiritual dimension to the things that you're experiencing, to the things that you want accomplished, but you feel that there's an invisible barrier. That thing is real. It's called principalities. It's called powers. It's called forces of darkness. Amen. Rulers of darkness of this age. Spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Again, don't have time for the full dissertation, but I encourage any of you to do a study on what those different things are. Some Pastor Paul got a revelation. said, you're not just uh, going against a devil and his little sidekick like you're going against Pinky in the Brain or something. So, you're going against a whole hierarchy that's organized uh, in military structure um, that has uh, 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 ranking generals, it has platoons, it has dispatched. Um, and one thing I will draw from this to leave in your mind is that when it's speaking about principalities, this is speaking about geographic locations. Y'all know that you could be so, this, we call it the Rio Grande Valley, is that right? But each city, you can almost sense that there's a different vibe if I could use Austin, Texas language. But there's a different spirit. There's a different atmosphere. And so there are principalities. These are demonic forces with specific strategies and specific strongholds in specific areas. So let's look at, that's the spiritual reality. Let's look at warfare reality. Because the next thing that Paul is laying before us is that this is not just a a game. It's not just practice. The Bible uses very specific language aimed towards warfare. Corinthians 10, amen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the tearing down of strongholds. Hello, somebody. Casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity. Paul is saying to the door Christian fellowship of Corinth. uh, And he's telling them, y'all are involved in a battle. And the mind battles you're facing are not to be meant to be applied. Uh, Human psychology, positive thinking. Don't just try harder to do better. Oh, listen, church, if you just are trying harder to do better because you want to be a good good person, amen, good luck in that miserable life. Because it says there are principalities, there are powers, and do not use carnal weapons. Do not use man-made weapons. Do not use your own ingenuity and your own cleverness uh, to try to achieve a spiritual victory when there are demonic strongholds that can only be uh, assaulted with spiritual weapons. And so it's a war. These are strong words. We don't like war. War is difficult. War is, uh, amen, there's losses in war. And he's teaching. Paul is giving us insight what we're really up against. He says that we're not battling against flesh and blood. Now think with me for a moment about Job. Could you imagine if all you had to read was Job chapter 3, through Job chapter 41. Imagine if that's all you could read is all of the things that happened to him. You have, amen, his children are lost in a storm. His goods and his business and his cattle, his possessions. And if all you could read is just all of these natural occurrences, you'd be like, dang, bummer to be you, Bro. Then he gets boils, his wife buckles under the pressure. Job's wife, amen, gets a lot of bad run time, y'all. But I'm telling you, I've been through some things. I have a little bit of compassion for Job's wife. And she did speak as a foolish woman, but dang, I'm not sure how many of y'all dudes would be able to handle what she went through. And for her credit, she stuck it out. And for her credit, she gave herself to the rebuilding of their lives. That's a whole other sermon. Sorry, come back, Jeremiah. Come back. Hey, that was for somebody. It's all free, too. Imagine if that's all you got to read. But we have a Bible scope. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, we get the inside information. Satan went before God himself with a request. Because he could not attack or test Job in the way he wanted to because Job was supernaturally protected. Now, the whys and the hows and why it was how long it was and why his kids and why every... Those are still unanswered questions, y'all. But at the end of the day, we get a glimpse. What about his restoration? Job's restoration at the end wasn't just because he was a good guy and and he read you know how to win friends and influence people and he you know the speed of trust and he knew the seven uh, habits of the highly effective people and he just he just kept on fighting you know he just kept on making it and it was better for him in the na 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 y'all he went through the trial. He never cursed God. He guarded his heart. He never lost faith. Uh, and then the hardest, uh, amen, trial of all, he received a rebuke from God himself. Oh, man, the secular people who love Job as, as poetry, they love Job as what they write off as just an allegory. We know there's a real dude named Job, and we know there's a real devil, and we know there's a real God, but I'll tell you this, the secular people who love that story as poetry, they hate Job chapter 38 through 41, God speaking to a man, God saying, son, you don't understand what's going on in the unseen world, but you did guard your heart. So make some things right and let's move forward. This is the reality of the warfare that we're up against. Are you all with me tonight? I want to shift to Daniel, because if we're talking about the reality of this warfare, Daniel chapter seven, verse twenty five begins to lay out the strategy that I believe you're gonna feel a witness in your spirit, like dang, devil is still at his same old tricks. Listen to what it says, Daniel 7 25. And this enemy, the devil, the serpent, the accuser, shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and to think to change times and laws. Can somebody say 2020? Great words against God himself. Great attacks and assaults to weary. That word wear out, it means to continually aggravate. It means to have a goal of continual frustration. It says that the enemy wants to wear out the saints. And how does he do it? He does it through words. Listen to me. When you face hardship, when you face challenges in your faith, when you face personal failure, Make no mistake, Satan himself is positioned to leverage an advantage over you through the events of life. There is an unseen enemy you must be aware of and you must be willing to engage. And it says, words are his strategies. You know, one of the things that the devil loves to do, Satan, his principalities, his powers, the demonic forces that are set against you personally, wants you to be convinced. That it's always gonna be like this. Wants you to be convinced this will never end. Listen to me. The old quote says, When you're going through hell, keep moving. My old quote, You're gonna go through hell whether you're saved or not. It's just better to go through it with Jesus. Matter of fact, our song tonight said, I find joy in every battle, because I know that's where you'll be. Hallelujah. When the fire's raging, uh, there's another one in the storm. Uh, Amen. And so this is the reality that we see. But the devil wants you to think that it's all bad all the time, and it's not going to get much better. I'm telling you, this is how the media functions.
0: of Chandler Conference, so please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below.
1: Thanks. The media gets away with the greatest deceptions, and not too many people are calling them out, but I'll tell you what they want to do. They want to change the times. They want to change definitions. They want to change reality. This has been going on for a long time. It says to change the laws. Satan is interested in shifting spiritual laws don't let me get on a rabbit trail y'all but I really really encourage you to be a part of the Sunday school your pastor's doing because Satan has properly uh has effectively leveraged uh, this false doctrine because you know why the progressive heresy is so successful Because so many Christians were frustrated for so long, and they're like, well, things aren't going to change. I tried it this way. Let me try to follow this nicer, easier lifestyle. Changing the laws, changing spiritual laws, changing spiritual laws. Pastor, what does that mean? That means you can sin and you won't die. You just do what you want to do. You're like a God. You have sovereignty over your own. You have free will. You do what you want to do, and it's going to be better than if you do it God's way. Changing laws goes back to the garden. You know, Charles Templeton, some of you may be familiar, this was the contemporary of the young Billy Graham. He was having larger crowds. He was more of an effective and uh, respected and more of an acknowledged minister of the gospel. And he was seeing many people saved. But a lot of people, they know that he backslid and he renounced Christianity. But when you look into what happened, it was during World War II. And what happened to Charles Templeton was he was seeing what was happening to the Jews at the hands of Hitler. And everybody was sick to their stomach seeing that. What Charles Templeton did, though, and this is a preacher of the gospel, y'all. He should have had his Bible scope. But he put down his Bible scope and he looked it through the media scope. The wrong link. The media and the doubters and the haters and people outside of a biblical worldview were absolutely dumbfounded at the display of evil. And because of the media's message, it wore him out. This man ended up walking away from the ministry. Think about Samson. The Bible says that Delilah was nagging him every day, she was using words. Words to assault, to harass, Uh, amen. It means that word to wear out or to weary the saints. It means to decay. It means to corrode. This is Satan's strategy. And it means to cause one to wax cold. So this is an ongoing issue. A lot of people look at spiritual realities as a secondary thing. I have great friends but they will always go to the doctor before they go to God in prayer. People I love and respect. And they will formulate their opinions and their strategies for victory more on philosophy and on worldly wisdom. I don't have a PhD, y'all, but I do want to hear the voice of God. My son Joshua, when we were in California, of course, I would never tell a story about my son in a pulpit. So. But uh, Joshua, Amen. We were in California. He was uh, five, six, seven, eight years old, and, and he was out of control, man. Joshua just would never listen. To, don't tell him I said this. Delete this off of YouTube. I mean, we spanked him every day, sometimes multiple times in a day. I, I follow the advice of Pastor Rob Scribner, and I never disciplined my kids out of anger except twice, and it was Joshua's fault both times. Not my fault, his fault. Dang. And my wife called our pastor's wife, called Mary Lou Parker, and she, my wife was bawling. She was like, I don't know what to do. And, and Mary Lou asked just a few questions. Yes, we spank. Yes, we do. Yes, da-da-da. Yes, we're doing this. Yes, we love him. Yes, we are da da-da-da-da-da. And all Mary Lou said was, just keep doing what's right. We were getting worn out. We were weary, and words came that shifted, and we continued. There are three areas, and we don't have time to go deep into all three of them, but I want you to be aware that the enemy would want to weary you. The enemy would want to bring decay or corrosion. You know what? The devil hates men and women with convictions. The devil will never get you to drop your convictions at one drop. He wearies and assaults and harasses, and as the New Living Translation says of Delilah, He nags you day by day to try to bring this lower. The first one is emotional. This was very profound to us in India. We had a young man, your pastor, got to meet this this young man. He was a a disciple. He had gotten saved. He was trying to navigate the relationship with his parents who didn't want him to be born again. And what they did was they basically let him come to church, but they had it on a leash. And so to make the long story longer, he's serving God. Things are going well. There was a church service where God dealt with him about idolatry. He goes home. He speaks to his parents about it. He doesn't want the idols in his room. They're a Catholic family. And that is when they pulled the chain, pulled the leash, And this young man had a decision to make. He didn't know what was going on. We knew what was going on. We were praying and fasting for him. But the next service, right before church, his mom is asking him to go to the store to get some carrots. Now listen, y'all. There are some times when you might possibly could miss church for an emergency for your mom. Are y'all with me? Hello. But not to get carrots, y'all. When I found out what happened, I was like, Are you serious? The next time, she's asking him to do something right before church. And this time, he tried to navigate that. And you know what she did the first time? She turned on the faucets, started weeping. You're choosing that church, uh, and you you won't go get me, uh, you know, some fresh meat at the market at 7 p.m. on a Wednesday night because you love them more than you love me. And I'm burdened and, brokenhearted to say, burdened and brokenhearted to say that that young man was never the same because the enemy found a way to weary him emotionally. Fear, anxiety, we, we can handle those things on a one-off. But when it's every day waking up, worried, anxious, and this is one of the results of COVID, I'm convinced that COVID is more than a virus, I believe there's a spirit to it. When I had COVID, I had the most bizarre emotional experiences in my life. It it was, I don't even know how to explain how I felt. I've spoken to one person, and they're not a lonely person. They're not a needy person. And they were weeping. I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. People were bringing them food. People were loving on them but they just couldn't stop weeping because of how lonely they felt. I spoke to a young man, 32 years old, healthy young man. He, had, he struggled with his respiratory. It, was, it got pretty serious. But people don't get pneumonia. They don't get bronchitis and have problems breathing for a few days and think every day when they wake up and when they go to sleep, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And it was an assault against them emotionally. Are you all with me tonight? Oh, listen, you all. Your emotions were given to you by God. Emotions are given to you to fuel your will, not rule your will. Your emotions are like gasoline. Inside the tank, being channeled properly, it will get you somewhere. We need some men with some enthusiasm. Come on, somebody. We need a a man or a woman of God to get upset at the devil once in a while. Come on now. But if you take that same gasoline and spread it out all over the ground, it becomes extremely dangerous. You're one match away from an explosion because emotions have been let free. Let me tell you what the devil's strategy, what his goal is. It's to get you to make decisions based on your emotions. How will he do that? By wearing you out with words. The next one is moral. Satan will want to weary you in your morals, in your convictions. Samson becomes our example of this. And I'm going to tell you right now, Satan hates purity. When you're walking clean before God, there is an intangible confidence that you can't get anywhere else. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Some of us, it's very hard to be bold before God because of a nagging conscience. Because of guilt and shame. I'm here to tell you, you can be delivered from guilt and shame. But you need to guard your morality. Sometimes things are not heaven and hell. Netflix and Hulu and Instagram, 92.3% of the time, they're not heaven and hell. But it is full of carnality and full of flesh. And it will erode and weary your confidence to stand before God. And it will take a lot of your time that you could be investing in developing your spiritual man. But why do we like those things so much? Because it's visible, it's tangible. Our ears, our smell, our sight, our taste, our touch. Oh, we can. I know how y'all's favorite touch is this. Oh, the dopamine is dropping. <laughs> it's become an idol. But listen, I'm not here to jam anybody or to get on any tirade about all that. My main point is there's an unseen world. There are principalities and powers and workers of evil that are invisible forces. There are personalities that want to erode to weary your morality. If if, if Satan can't destroy you, he'll distract you. And his goal in distraction is to weary your convictions. We have to move on last thing that he tries to weary us is with our spiritual life one of the devil's master strokes against believers is discouragement we all make mistakes we all say stupid things we all give in to the flesh we give it, we we all make these that we all are navigating this together y'all but what satan likes to do he has he uses words He he wants to change times and change uh, laws, uh, and he wants to weary you out with his words of discouragement. You'll never be good enough. Look at you. Look at how many times you've already messed up like that. Dang, are you ever going to change? And then we're just left saying, well, it is what it is. I'm just going to try harder to do better. That's not a fun life, y'all. What's going on? Satan. Invisible forces are attempting to bring weariness uh, and discouragement, uh, amen, bitterness. How many of y'all know bitterness can weary you out? During the holidays, I want to encourage you to be sensitive because during this point in time, it's all joy and gifts, but depression is at a very high, high level. Now, because of COVID, they say that within teenagers, all of these self-hatred and anxiety, they say they've all quadrupled, suicides, all of these things. Uh, the last generation, I, I get lost in everybody. There's Gen Z and millennials, and, but, but our most recent generation has had more depression and anxiety and emotional breakdown than any other generation, and now it has quadrupled. So what's happening is there is a spirit of heaviness. It's a demon spirit that leverages against people who are going through hard times to weary their spirit. Let's close quickly with the reality of victory. There is a spiritual reality. We are involved in a war, but you are destined to win. This is why Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Hey, listen, y'all, you only get fully suited up when you're anticipating to get put into the game. Oh, come on, somebody. You have that picture? (laughs) I got a picture I'm going to show you because if you're convinced that you have victory, then you pose a great threat to Satan, okay? If you're convinced of your victory, then he knows that there will be some punches thrown. I don't know if you all know what this is, but this is Tyson Fury in the fourth round against... uh, who was is, is he fighting? Wilder. This is Look at the look on his face. It, when you see the whole, like, 10-second clip, the brother's like, hey, where am I, mama? This is the fourth round. You're destined for victory, and I want you to remember two things, and we're going to pray. Number one, you already win. You already win. So it's like the boxing match. Let let, let me just prepare y'all. Every one of y'all, get suited up, get ready. You're going the full 12 rounds. That's it. And the scorecard at the end is going to be you as the winner. Now, when you let sin into your life, it's like you letting your opponent punch you in the face in exchange for him giving you a piece of candy. That candy is not going to help your health, and you letting him punch you just ain't going to help you in the end. And if you repent, you still got to deal with the bruises and the cuts that you allowed to get thrown on you. So stay saved. Stay in the game. Watch how you talk. Don't give in to sin. Resist. Resist. Submit to God and resist Satan and he will flee from you. So the two things is number one, you do win. You stay in Christ, guaranteed win. I want that. We all need that to settle a little bit. I want you to say, in the end, I win. Let it drop. Let it drop in your spirit. In the end, you win. Sometimes in the middle of the fourth round, you don't think you're going to win. You actually don't know if you're going to win. Here's part of the strategy is that this guy right here, you can take the picture down. Like, is that inappropriate, dude without a shirt on, picture in church? (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> That's how we feel sometimes, y'all. Sometimes we don't see the scorecard. Sometimes you're winning, but you're still getting punched. You got to have an athlete. You got to have a soldier's mentality in, other, in order to navigate those times. If you don't understand there's an unseen reality, if you don't understand there's a spiritual war, then you are going to be extremely frustrated, and confused on a regular basis when you're getting punched. Pastor, I got punched by the devil. I mean, it's a war. I mean, you honestly should be expecting things like this. But don't let the devil convince you that you've lost. Because even when you feel like you're losing, you're still winning. Can somebody say, Job? Come on. If you're not picking up what I'm laying down, at least, you know, Job speaks the story. Job was knocked down in the fourth round. But he had the championship belt at the end. The last thing is, there's nothing wrong with you. In the end, you win. And besides the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, there's nothing wrong with you. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean is the devil loves to weary people out by making them think that they're some kind of special stupid. Satan just will work overtime in making you feel like there's something wrong with you. How about you just let him know, I know something's wrong with me. I got a flesh, I live in the world, and I'm fighting against you. That's what's wrong with me. I haven't been taken to heaven yet. And I believe mature minds can balance this out, but listen to this. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a human being fighting the same battle all of us are. How many of y'all feel a witness on that? It's like you're going through something, you're like, this is my fault. That, what? No, 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 no. There's a spiritual battle, and we got to engage in it. And this is what Paul said. Stand, having done all, keep standing. Fight, and then keep fighting. Put on the whole armor of God, and pray in the Spirit. Engage in the invisible realm, and let's believe God for victory. Let's bow our heads in the presence of God.